1901, a woman by the name of Annie Taylor climbed into a barrel so that she could ride that barrel over Niagara Falls, the first person to do so. The reason for her crazy endeavor? She was struggling to make ends meet, and she was hoping for fame and financial security. It's Ryan from United Faith Mortgage, a faith and family mortgage team that tries to improve your financial outlook without having to ship you over a 170-foot waterfall. Our mortgage team happens to be an arm of a bigger company who is a direct lender, which means our company gets to use its own money and make its own decisions within its own walls. There's no middleman. This advantage often allows us to get you a better rate, which can save you monthly and lifelong money through a refinance, or help you with a cash-out refinance, cashing out some of your home's equity to use for life. We are United Faith Mortgage. United Faith Mortgage is a DBA of United Mortgage Corp. 25 Melville Park Road, Melville, New York. Licensed mortgage banker. For all licensing information, go to nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Corporate NMLS number 1330. Equal housing lender. Not licensed in Alaska, Hawaii, Georgia, Massachusetts, North Dakota, South Dakota, and Utah. My friend, you picked a fantastic time to listen because uh, right now you're going to hear about an author who talks to kids and talks to like almost hundreds and thousands of people all the time, and he's our new best friend. Yes, he is. His name is Dr. Tim Aylmore. He's the founder and CEO of Growing Leaders, an Atlanta-based nonprofit organization encouraging and equipping emerging leaders. And since founding Growing Leaders in 2003, Dr. Aylmore has spoken to over 500,000 leaders in businesses, universities, athletic teams, and nonprofit organizations. And he was also listed in the top 100 leadership speakers in America by Inc. Magazine. He's also published over 35 books. Yep, and this is one of them right now. Tim, thanks for being here with us on Mornings with Tom and Tobby. It is my pleasure. We're going to have a fun conversation. Absolutely, because we're talking about kids. So the title of this book is I Can't Wait, 52 Stories of Kids Who Changed Their World that you can read together. So what inspired you to write this book and wrote it? uh, Is it just for kids or would adults enjoy this as well? Like me. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Like both of you. That's right. Yeah, I'm the adult. I really wrote it. I wrote it for for both. Um, I picture moms and dads at dinner time talking over maybe a story a week for an entire year or bedtime or even classroom time for a teacher. So um, the phrase, I can't wait, isn't it one we hear? Every year, especially this time of year, when Christmas rolls around, I can't wait for this or that. Well, these are 52 stories of kids who didn't wait until they were a grown-up before they did something amazing, before they invented something or served somebody or solved a problem. So it was fun to write. Uh, And I purposely made 52 so it could be a year-long journey for a family. So, yeah. Wow. Okay, so Tim, I'm just looking at the back cover here, and and it has a did you know section. I just wanted to highlight a couple of these. Uh, like, did you know that a 13 year old boy saved 17 lives during Hurricane Harvey, or did you realize that a third grade girl sewed over a thousand blankets for people who needed them? There are story after story after story of kids who truly impacted their world. Yeah, it's it's amazing. That first story, Tom. Virgil Smith was in the eighth grade when Hurricane Harvey swept through Dickinson, Texas, just outside of Houston. And I love the fact that when his apartment began to fill with water, he didn't wait for an adult to do something, didn't wait for permission from an adult to do something. He grabbed his mama and his older sister and his phone. Of course, he grabbed his phone and they ran upstairs to a second floor of this apartment complex so they could be, you know, away from the rising waters. But when they got upstairs, 
after his first act of heroism, he got a call from Kashan, his buddy, who lived in the same apartment complex. And Kashan said, Verge, we're drowning over here. We need help. Well, once again, Virgil springs into action. He doesn't wait for an adult to do something. He runs right back downstairs to his own flooding apartment, grabs an air mattress that he slept on at night and uses it as a raft. And he paddles over across the apartment complex to help Kashan and his whole family get to safety. But as he's paddling back and forth, you can imagine he hears the cries for help from other people in the apartment complex. So this young teen spends the night out paddling back and forth. According to the police report the next morning, Virgil Smith saved 17 lives that night. And he won a special award from from the mayor and his mother was praised for raising such a fine, brave young man. Well, there's stories like this all the way through the book. I've been collecting them for years. And I thought, wouldn't this be vision casting for mom and dad and a, and a kid who's nine or 10 years old or whatever, just to talk about the good things kids are doing today, not the mental health issues or the crimes that are being committed. So I'm wanting to kind of change the narrative with a good conversation. Okay, I'm so excited just listening to that and things we didn't even know and, and to realize that this generation of kids is doing these these types of things and, yeah. and, and being examples to all of us. And considering your years of experience in developing and equipping leaders, how would you say the current generation of, of children differs from previous generations? Yeah, great question. Um, I would say the two biggest shifts that we've seen with kids today, and that would be Generation Z and then the Alpha Generation, which are younger children, mm. would, would be these two items. Number one, there's a definite higher sense of agency. So probably because they grew up with a smartphone, they feel like, I can do this. Mm. I figured it out. I looked it up. But then there's also a higher sense of anxiety. Mm. Um, you know, mental health issues, we hear about them all the time. I think both of those realities, high agency, high anxiety, were deepened by a, by a smartphone. So I don't think a smartphone's evil or wicked, but we just got overwhelmed with all that's coming at us. But the good news is, Kids are feeling like I don't have to wait to do something amazing. So, and, and here's one more thing that I think is cool. Part of the solution to their anxiety, perhaps, is getting out and getting their eyes off themselves. I don't want to oversimplify, but serving. And so we, we, we call a young leader someone who solves problems and serves people. That's mm. what I think we want to do. And I think, isn't it true, part of our own solution for our lives is get our eyes off of me and my troubles and begin to look outward to someone perhaps that needs help more than I do. And as I serve, I end up solving my own, my own issues. Yeah. Here is the title. I Can't Wait, 52 Stories of Kids Who Changed Their World that you can read together. The author is Dr. Tim Elmore, and he is our guest here on Mornings with Tom and Toppy. What a fantastic topic, and what a great treasure that you've written here. Well, thanks. It's, it was so fun. I, I remember reading some stories or figuring out some stories and realizing I did not know that, and that might have shifted the way I parented. So here's a for instance. Uh, there was a kid called Jimmy who grew up years ago, but he wasn't like the other boys. He didn't go outside and play ball or play in the streets or whatever. He, he just wanted to be in his bedroom playing with his socks. Hmm. Yes, you heard that right, with his <laughs> socks. Mm-hmm. But his mom and dad thought to themselves, well, we'd like him to be outside with his brothers and siblings, but maybe we should just get him more socks. He loves playing with them. 
Well, Jimmy ended up being the grown-up we know as Jim Henson, who ended up making an industry out of these socks called the Muppets <gasps> and built a career out of it. He made personalities. But the point was these parents were wise enough, rather than just forcing them into a pigeonhole, you ought to look like this. They said, let's foster the passions and the gifts he has. And he built a career out of it. So there's stuff to be learned from grownups, not just the kids in this book. Oh, my goodness. So that is really cool. And I love how you are uh, bringing adults and children together. And how did you yeah. decide which young adults to feature? What do they all share in common? Uh, good question. Well, first of all, there's a volume two on its way because I could not make up my mind on some of these. But um, I wanted to include kids from all over the world. So there's different colors, shapes and sizes, all different nationalities, languages, different ages. So it's kids, stories of kids ages five to 21. But um, they're also kids from history. For instance, I didn't know until recently uh, Isaac Newton, the one we you know, know is the guy who discovered the law of gravity and you know, came up with all kinds of things. He did that as a college student. So he wasn't 56 years old, you know, some lawyer, you know, mm. some professor. He was a college kid. So um, suddenly the story changes and I begin to see I don't have to wait. And we're thinking if a dinnertime story fosters even a thought that sticks in their head and maybe a year later they remember that story and they go, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to do this or I was inspired by that story to go do that in my community then we think we can begin to change the course of uh, or at least the narrative of kids being, you know, evil and in trouble all the time and they're not going to make it. You know, we're saying kids today, oh, my gosh, all the time, are we not? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're hearing the voice of Dr. Tim Elmore talking about his latest book, I Can't Wait. And as a young person, they don't have to, right, Tim? So let me ask you about this. Why do you believe young people are the perfect age to develop into leaders? Well, if you stop and think, um, number one, they have accessibility or the, 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 the information and the insights they might need to do something amazing are accessible. If they have a tablet or a smartphone or any kind of portable device, they've got access to knowledge. Now, that can be good news or bad news, you know, but um, I think that's one reason. Secondly, I think kids today, because they're they have an intuition of where the world is going much faster than guys like me who are very, very old now. Um, so we, the adults, have timeless insights to add to the equation. We know some timeless truths, uh, do, do we not, that we've learned over our years from Scripture. But they have timely intuition. Uh, when I talk to kids, they mm. seem to know where, where culture is going. Uh, they're the first ones on TikTok, Right. So all I'm thinking is if we could get the old and the young together, the timeless insights and the timely intuition, we've really got something now. And that's what I wanted to do with this, this resource. While we're listening to uh, Tim Elmore talk about the new book, I Can't Wait, it's for children and adults. And Tim, how can a parent or adult identify leadership potential in a child that they're loving on? Yeah. Well, there's a few reasons. I'll give you just two or three real quick since we got to go quick here. But um, one of the most counterintuitive ways uh, I want to bring up is um, negative emotions. We often see uh, them if they're uh, grumpy or they're mad at something or they've this should not be happening. What's going you know, that sort of thing. Hmm. We see it as a negative. And we want to make them happy. 
But I actually think the truest form of leadership starts with a negative emotion. Like, for instance, when I talk to a high school student and they go, I'm really mad that there's no Coke machine in the dining hall or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> I go I go to myself. Good. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're not apathetic. I'm glad you're, you know, worked up over this. Now, what are you going to do? Well, I'm not a leader. Well, you don't have to be a leader. Just go do something. I find that kids who activate, who get up and start to do something, often attract others who just needed permission to do something, you know, Mm -hmm. and suddenly they find themselves leading. So I think that sense of dissatisfaction can be a good sign. I think initiative, that's another sign. They may be taking initiative in the wrong direction, but if I see initiative, I think, okay, we could channel that in the right direction. Uh, One more real quick. No doubt about it. When we see responsibility, uh, that's a sign. You know, like I I remember one time when our kids were younger, we went out to a restaurant with a group of other people. uh, And when when I see a kid run ahead of the pack to tell the hostess at the, you know, at the restaurant, we got seven people. We need a table for seven. They're taking responsibility. So, and I do have this in the book at the end where I kind of talk to adults about how to spot leadership. But I think there's leadership in every single kid. They may not be the CEO or the president, but there's an influence and there's, there's these kinds of qualities if we just foster them. And that's the job, I think, of you and I as adults. Mm. Wow. His name is Dr. Tim Elmore. The book is called I Can't Wait, 52 Stories of Kids Who Changed Their World. And as we're wrapping up really quick, uh, I'm just, I just love these stories. And I, I just saw that that there's a, a teenager who invented a flashlight that was powered by human body heat. As we're huh. wrapping up, can you tell me the story about that one? I am so glad you asked that story. Oh. <laughs> so her name, her name was Anne. It still is Anne. <laughs> Anne Makasinski. She was in high school when she had a pal on Facebook that lived in the Philippines. And in one of their interactions, Anne asked her friend, how are you doing in school? And her friend got a little melancholy and she said, not so good. I'm flunking out. And Anne thought, flunking out? You're smarter than I am. Why are you flunking out? And you know what she discovered? She discovered her friend lived in a part of the Philippines where they could not get electricity in their home. And so when the sun went down, she couldn't do her homework and she wasn't passing. So Anne, who loves science, figured out a way to to create a, a flashlight that when you wrap your hand around it, the body heat, the 98.6 degrees in your body will light up the flashlight. So it needs no batteries. And she created it, sent it to her friend, her friends started passing classes, and Anne won a science award <laughs> in her school. What? But I thought, I would not even thought thought of that. I would That would have crossed my mind. I would have sent money or something. Yeah. So um, I just love the innovation that kids have because they don't get stuck in ruts like we do. Yeah. And I think it's time we foster them and, and turn them loose.